1: WELCOME, ONE AND ALL, TO THE LATE SHOW. I AM YOUR HOST, STEPHEN COLBERT. TONIGHT, <laughs> YOU JOIN OUR BROADCAST WITH HISTORY ALREADY IN PROGRESS, BECAUSE MERE MINUTES BEFORE I WALKED OUT HERE ON this STAGE, REPUBLICAN KEVIN MCCARTHY WAS OUSTED AS SPEAKER OF THE HOUSE. AND I'M SURE THIS WON'T BE TAKEN OUT OF CONTEXT WHEN I SAY, I LOVE THE MCCARTHY HEARINGS. This it's not really hearings, but you get the idea. You get the idea. This all started just last night, right? When Matt Gates introduced a motion to vacate the speaker's chair, which Gates had threatened to file earlier in the day, and then McCarthy tweeted, "Bring it on." <laughs> to which Gates replied, "Just did." <laughs> right. Then it continued when McCarthy replied, "Okay then," and Gates replied, "Well okay." <laughs> To which McCarthy replied, what happens now? To which Gates said, not sure, bro. To which McCarthy replied, I'm not your bro, bro, but I think if I get a simple majority, I survive, prompting Gates to ask, simple majority of total or just those present? To which McCarthy said, simple majority of your mom. (laughs) And Gates replied, cool comeback. To which McCarthy said, thanks. To which Gates replied, I'm being sarcastic, BT dubs. To which McCarthy replied, I know, dumbass which Gates responded, whatever, dude, my dad says I have to go eat dinner now. (laughs) So there's a process. So there's a... There's a process. It's chaos. In the end, in the end, McCarthy lost with uh, Matt Gates plus seven of his Republican cronies and all of the Democrats voting to give McCarthy the boot. Seems like strange bedfellows between those two groups. But in a Democratic meeting earlier today, California Representative Adam Schiff quoted the Big Lebowski, saying, "Gates isn't wrong; he's just an asshole." That's right. Wow. wow. No, too wow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. He's right. The douche abides. You may remember, back in just this January, back in January, Congress had to vote a record 15 times for McCarthy to get the speaker's job. But to remove him, just (laughs) one. That's progress, Kev. I feel good about that. Now, this has never happened before in the 247 years of our republic. So, Kevin, congratulations. You made history. I'm sorry, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misread that. You are history. Because. I don't know about that. that. Yes. Because it's hard to see any politician come back from this kind of unprecedented humiliation. So it's time to say farewell to former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, seen here pointing to his going away gift. (laughs) Speaking of public humiliation, Donald Trump today. He was in New York for the second day of his fraud trial, and it can't be much fun for him to sit there since the judge already found him to have committed fraud. But his lawyers seem to be having a pretty good time. One of them came to court yesterday with a gaming laptop. (laughs) She's using her downtime to play Grand Theft (laughs) Mar-a-Lago. This... This trial is overseen by New York City judge Arthur and Goron, seen here in his audition photo for the Golden Bachelor. <laughs> hey. Yes, you may approach the bench. It does please the court. <laughs> He's already <laughs> or Goron fans here tonight. <laughs> He's already issued a scathing ruling against Trump, and it must be hard for the ex-president to sit there and listen to all these people slam his business. Or it would be hard for him to listen if he was listening, but he's not. Instead, today, while he was sitting in court at his own trial, he went on Truth Social, where he put up a post attacking Judge and Goron's clerk, who was literally in the courtroom with him, (laughs) calling her Chuck Schumer's girlfriend. He's acting like a bored high schooler. He also passed the note to the judge saying, will you convict me, yes or no? <laughs> We've also seen several official courtroom sketches from this trial, but yesterday, Trump shared one that his fans made. There it is. <laughs> he actually he actually reposted this. I've heard Jesus is my co-pilot, but from the looks of this, he's also a co-defendant. <laughs> and I'm, oh, I'm being told that this is actually implying that Jesus is his defense attorney, which makes sense. His mom would be so proud. And if you want to retain the services of our Lord and Savior, just check out his new ad. Jesus and Barnes, Messiah and
0: attorney, 800-555, Lamb of Justice.
1: There you go. You want him in your corner. You want me in your corner. Trump isn't just getting slammed with legal issues. He's all getting blasted by some of his senior members of his former administration, like outgoing chairman of the Joint Chiefs and subway rider seeing a mariachi band get on his train car. <laughs> Mark Milley, in his farewell speech recently, Milley implied that Trump is a wannabe dictator. Another high ranking general not mincing words about Trump is his former chief of staff and uncle who's shown you the church and is now deciding if you can handle the steeple. <laughs> John Kelly. Years ago, The Atlantic published a story which claimed that Trump had no respect for the military or for fallen soldiers. And last night, John Kelly went on the record to confirm several of those disturbing stories, including that Trump thinks prisoners of war are all suckers because there is nothing in it for them. That he did not want to be seen in the presence of military amputees because, quote, it doesn't look good for me. And that he ranted that our heroes who gave their lives in America's defense are losers and wouldn't visit their graves in France. That is despicable for a commander-in-chief to disrespect the hallowed ground of our war dead. What could he possibly do to make up for saying that? I will take electrocution. Kelly entered a statement saying, There is nothing more that can be said. God help us. True, but unfortunately, God's a little busy right now, sir. <laughs> oh, this is, this is interesting. I enjoyed this. Last night at 1.05 a.m., Donald Trump posted, Now that the strike is over, the talentless, low-rated creeps of late-night television <laughs> are back. Thank you for watching, sir. But I'm not surprised. I mean, he's a 77-year-old white guy. Of course he's watching CBS. But I do have a question. Low-rated creeps of late night, how did he find out our original podcast title? He he wasn't done. 45 minutes later, almost 2 a.m., after he had digested his bed nuggets, he posted, Remember when I told you that the poorly rated and not at all funny late-night talk shows are nothing less than a major campaign contribution to the radical left Democratic Party, adding, watch what is going on. So interesting. I know you meant that as an insult, but that really sounds like the kind of rave review you want to slap (laughs) on a Times Square billboard. (laughs) So today, we did that. The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Watch what is going on. So interesting. Donald J. Trump. Sir, thank you for the endorsement. I hope you get a chance to check out the billboard on the way to your next court appearance or bubblegum Shrimp appearance. We got a great show for you tonight.
0: Coming up, John Oliver... Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, early and ad free on the 48 hours plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, my guest tonight is an Emmy Award winning comedian you know best from the Strike Force 5 podcast. He also hosts Last Week Tonight on HBO. Please welcome John Oliver. Please. It is, it is nice. Good evening. Good evening. It is lovely to see you. It is nice to see you, too. Not only to see you not on a Zoom window, which Always. is how we've been doing the, uh, the podcast, right. but also to see you in a suit. This is the, the most dressed you and I have been in the I last know. five
0: months. I yes. know, exactly. I will, I will dress up for, uh, for the person I'm talking to. Seth Meyers doesn't have suits anymore, so I will not dress up for that man's <laughs> show. I will dress down like he does. He does not respect his guests sartorially. So, I shall not respect him.
1: <laughs> for those who, the few people out there who don't know, yes. uh, for the past uh, couple of months, you and me and the Jimmys and yep. Seth yep. have had a podcast called Strike Force Five. Indeed, yes. this) <laughs> louder.
0: It'd be, it'd be louder.
1: It is a podcast that The Guardian called Nice Enough. <laughs>
0: What, what, did you, what, what do you, da- you make of that description? <laughs> what you're you dealing with there is quintessential British passive aggression. <laughs> that's <laughs> good. Nice, nice enough is a rave in Britain. Not, not anything more than that, and it's just like everyone committing ritual suicide. Nice enough is what they said about Shakespeare. <laughs> it was fine. It, it pa- rhymes. It passed the evening.
1: <laughs> um, the yes. podcast uh, is coming to an end. Yes, that's sadly, right. Sadly, yes. tonight is our last...
0: I mean, not entirely sadly. What? It's a good way for it to end, It was right?
1: lovely. To, yeah. It was a perfect way to end because yes. the strike ended. That's right. Right when the podcast... Yes, it ended. would be bad if it had carried on. Yes. Yeah. It, would be, it would be bad if it carried on. It would also be bad if the strike had ended after the first episode. That's
0: right. All of those things would have been bad. But, yeah, thankfully, we threw off, you know, we threw off at least one good episode in 12, right? Sure. Fallon's five. Fallon's... Episode 5. If, yes. you haven't see, if you haven't heard any of it, Episode 5 is when Jimmy Fallon I mean he distinguished takes, himself distinguished or disgraced it's either both he, he basically ran an, an episode of the match game while just taking liberties with the English language <laughs> that I think will never be fully forgiven by the people of Britain it was it was it's beautiful it's beautiful chaos it's incredibly funny mm-hmm. he's like a conductor conducting an orchestra who doesn't innately understand what music is <laughs> that's the best way I could, it's incredible yeah and one of the things
1: that one of the mistakes that we made on the podcast is uh-huh. right at the end we went we should get some
0: merchandise. <laughs> yeah. So we, we ordered a lot of merchandise. Yeah. I mean, it's to, a, se- to sell to people. I think it's fair to say it's a disaster. It's a financial disaster, right? So right? Uh, Probably. It's like if it's like if the last thing Radio Shack did was let's order some bomber jackets. <laughs> 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 That'll dig us out of this hole. Yeah. Well, we have a huge amount a huge amount of merch. That uh, there is no real market for.
1: Right. But it still The podcast exi- is over. But it still exists. It yeah. still exists. So I thought maybe we could give some away to the audience tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> At cost? What? Yeah. Gratis. And, and if they catch them, then they pay for it? Is that the. No, it's just, it's just oh, free. It's just free. It's just free, though it will not. Okay. Wow. Wow. You're, just, JUST TO QUALIFY YOUR EXCITEMENT, YOU'RE, you're GOING TO GET LITERAL TRASH PROJECTED AT YOU. RIGHT. AND THE EASIEST WAY TO DISTRIBUTE T-SHIRTS IS, OF COURSE... OH, THE T-SHIRT cannon.
1: T-SHIRT cannons. Yes. EDDIE, BRING OUT THE T-SHIRT go ALL CHARGED UP.
0: OKAY. Eddie. CHARGED UP. AND THE SAFETY... IT'S LOADED. AND THE SAFETY IS OFF. A- OKAY. OKAY. READY? YES. YOU'RE THE GUEST. My, my... AND KEEP IN MIND, JOHN, yes. HOLD ON A SECOND. Yeah. Have you fired a T-shirt cannon before? I think it's 99% confidence, right? What's the worst that can happen? (laughs) Oh! The worst that could happen is that you could take off somebody's head.
1: (laughs) All right, ready? Right over here. Who wants one? You see, it's got quite a lift on it. Hold on. All right, another one. I'll tell you what, why don't we have a seat? Have a seat. I cannot... There we
0: go. So what we'll do is we'll keep these here. Yeah. We'll keep these here. Stephen, yes. I, I cannot overstate the extent to which I just shot that woman in, in the face with a T-shirt. There was no arc on it. It was flat. I apologize. I believe they have insurance for this. And if they don't, you're about to become a millionaire.
1: Congrats on getting back to work. Thanks. You too. First show was Sunday night. How did it go? Did it was it, feel, was it,
0: it felt natural? Yeah, it felt, yeah. 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 It was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was very fun. It, w- it was very fun to be back. And the only show that we had prepared in terms of uh, research... Like the one and, you were working on in May. That's right, was about prison healthcare, yeah! which really felt like not the, not the most welcoming way to welcome an audience back. Just, yes. welcome back, why were you ever here? But, uh, yeah, it's very nice to get it on the air.
1: Now you recently you were you hosted the Clooney Foundation's Albie Award. I did yes last week. Yes, I did not get an invitation to that. That was deliberate. And what and (laughs) what? I'm sure it's not that fun. Like it's not glamorous. No, no no one's there. Just ask. Just tell me if John Stewart was there.
0: He was there. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Okay. YOU WERE ON THE RED CARPET uh, oh, with, your, WITH YOUR LOVELY WIFE, mm-hmm. AND uh, that YOU WERE ASKED ABOUT RETURNING TO WORK HERE. Oh, YOU'RE yeah. ABOUT TO GO BACK TO WORK. Yes.
0: Back to work. OH, yes. YES. WOW. SO, yeah. NO HESITANCY. NO, NO HESITANCY. JUST, no, NO EVEN KIND OF SENSE OF FUN IN THE VOICE. JUST, YES, IT'S TIME FOR HIM TO GET <laughs> BACK TO WORK. WE HAVE TO TAKE A QUICK BREAK HERE, uh, okay. MR. OLIVER. That's fine by WE'LL BE me. RIGHT BACK WITH MORE OF THAT GUY. STICK <laughs> yeah. AROUND. Listen to the Daily Show Ears Edition wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It's John Oliver from last week tonight in Strike Force Five. So, what is John Oliver like uh, off air? What are you like when you don't have a job to go to? I mean,
0: bouncing off the walls. To be honest, I don't rest well. I'm better with purpose and work. I don't really exist in in a leisure sense. That's how people... <laughs> there's no downtime, John no down, Oliver. No, there's no downtime. I'm always like this, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. You can tell that from way that my wife said, it is time for him to leave the house. But I was... you was... waking up the kids going, do
1: you know the state of prison health care?
0: <laughs> yes, basically. But I was lucky, because I, uh, to, as part of a way to... Uh, keep paying the staff, I did stand-up a lot. And that was kind of... That scratched the itch to get out of the house and performing. So, sure. uh, yeah, I did Boy. some hastily written stand-up around the country.
1: Uh, you actually... Uh, this is... Your final gig is going to be of this little round, paying... paying Help to yes. pay the staff, is New Year's Eve. It's you and... Right here? It's you and Seth Meyers... Yes. ...are doing a show together at Caesar's Palace. That's in right. In Vegas. Yes. Vegas. Now, what I can't... Vegas, baby, yeah. that's your life. What's... That's... I think... I think you... John Oliver, I think Vegas.
0: What says Vegas at New Year's Eve more than Seth Myers and John Oliver? In the the theater, and this is true, where Adele sings. We are the opposite of Adele in every possible sense. So, yeah, there are going to be some very disappointed Adele fans that have made a crucial mistake with the calendar. How's your rolling in the deep? I mean, it can't be that bad, right? She could have had it all! Now, who's opening for whom? I can't tell them this. Who's opening for whom here? Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I think we, I, uh, we did the beacon together. We kind of opened for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. We'll toss a coin. Do you have much Vegas experience? Like, have you... Not really. I've only ever been once before. There was oh. a, a Comedy Central had a... I think it was a Comedy Central had a, a, a comedy festival there, and I went with Rob Riggle. It's his spiritual home. Oh, is Vegas? Really? Yeah, that's, yeah. His, that's his mecca. Uh, And, uh, yeah, so that was the first time I'd been to Vegas, the first time i gambled. There was one... It was, like, four in the morning one night, I was sitting at a blackjack table, and Mike Tyson walked right past the table. And I remember thinking to myself, I need to go to bed. Because you thought you might have hallucinated him? No, more than... If your life intersects with Mike Tyson's in any way, that is a canary in the coal mine coughing its last breath. It's, ty- it's bedtime for you. Well, um, uh, do you, why didn't you ever go back? Maybe? Why? Oh, I, I, I mean, it, I loved it because it's a cartoonish place. It literally shouldn't exist. That's, that's going to help sell tickets, isn't it? Right. Vegas, come to Vegas. The city shouldn't exist. <laughs> it's built on stolen water. There's no point in it being there. But do come and see Seth and I on December 31st. <laughs> uh, I, I won. I won... Uh, Riggle, Riggle taught me how to play blackjack, and I won $800. Wow. And then, and then I lost it at the airport because I lost my wallet. And you lost your wallet at the airport? At the airport. I, d- I don't know how I lost it. It was gone. And I had some things in there that I really wanted. Like, there was an old uh, autograph of Ian Rush, a Liverpool football player, that I got when I was 11 <laughs> years old. Yeah, and so, and so I really wanted that. I was so destroyed that it had gone. And then someone found it, sent me my wallet back with... Ian Rush's autograph in there and minus $800. <laughs> we have to take a little break
1: here, but uh, stick around. I won't or be, John here. I won't be here You
0: will be back. there. I will not be You there. will be there. I will be here. I'll be here. I'll be here. I'll, I'll be, be here. I'll, 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 be be come here. Back. I'll be here. Here with the host of Last Week Tonight, uh, John Oliver. How are ticket sales, by the way? Uh, no idea. Okay. But uh, again, I just cannot stress enough the extent to which Las Vegas should not exist as a city. Uh, and that you are not Adele. <laughs> That's right.
1: So, so here you are. You're, 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 you're opening with, with, with yeah, Seth there that night. Fine, yeah. You started your career as a stand-up. Do you have did. any memorable people
0: that you toured with? People you remember when you started out? I mean, the, the beauty with stand-up is it's a fundamentally humiliating job. Right? That's, it, I think it's good for the human soul. And the lowest it ever got for me was uh, I did a gig at the University of East Anglia, and uh, my, my manager said, ''Oh, you, this, you're going to go in the middle. It's three acts. You're going to go in the middle.'' All of that was true, but he left out some key specifics that would have been helpful to know at the time. <laughs> One was that the, first, the opening act was a guy called Mr Methane, who was a, a kind of character act uh, in Britain at the time. I believe he's still around. Uh, and it's a, a guy in a kind of skin-tight green lycra suit um, whose talent was that he could fart uh, on command. And so he did that. He, fart, he farted along to the Blue Danube. Um, to uh, He blew out some birthday candles on a cake. And then he farted the national anthem. And, Your
1: national anthem. Um, uh, that's God right. save the queen.
0: God save the queen or, or the king, but it all sounds the same when it comes... <laughs> out of his rectum. So, wait, could he, could he hold a note? Or yes, just he could. It was, it was genuinely impressive, and you, you need to understand how much that audience loved what they were what, There was a genuine sense... It was a of, simpler time. And, and ...of patriotism in the room. Of I'm hearing people stand the while he British fart- national anthem, like, the way it's supposed this- to be heard. Of, for, it's recognizably being farted into a microphone being held zero inches <laughs> away from the man's anus. Now, you, you might... F- You might be wondering... I am. (laughs) ..were there two microphones available to the performers that (laughs) night? (laughs) No. Microphones, singular. So I I went onto a stage to an audience who were uh, just sitting down after giving him a standing ovation. And I'll be honest, my 20 minutes of jokes about Britain's involvement in the Iraq war (laughs) didn't go down as well as what Mr. Methane had done. I bombed, then the final act of the evening was a guy called Stevie Starr, who called himself the world's only professional regurgitator. And he saw him, I saw him swallow and bring back a light bulb, a pool ball, and a goldfish. Yes, yes, it's the goldfish that stuck with me, too. A live goldfish. A live goldfish. Live <coughs> yeah. down and live when it came back out. Live when it came back out. And I know that goldfish can't emote, I know that. But I would swear to you that that goldfish looked at me standing at the side of the stage with a look in its eyes that said, kill me now. And they only remember things for seven seconds. No, no, but that's it. I think that's a misnomer. I think he would have loved to have forgotten that for seven seconds. So they, they loved him even more than they liked Mr. Methane. And it wasn't bombing on stage that hurt. The true nadir of that evening was just how nice the two of them were to me backstage. <laughs> Mr. Methane, the regurgicator? They were so kind, and you've not hit rock bottom until you've seen a guy in a kind of rip-off Riddler costume peeling it off his body, and I swear, he looked at me and he said, I'm sorry, that was hard to watch you do that up there. <laughs> it, was hard. it was hard for you, Mr. Methane? You found that difficult to watch? You felt I lost some dignity there, fart man? And I look, I looked them up. He's still going, Mr. Methane. And and Stevie Starr recently got to the final of Croatia's Got Talent, which is bold because he is in no way Croatian. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, there were some dark times as a stand-up. But they're character building, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. When I was a a young man uh, touring uh, with the Second City, one time we played the Berwyn Summer Carnival, which took place in a parking lot of a strip mall. And uh, all, the sh- all the acts were just in canvas tents. And there was also the Midway and, like, sure. the other things. And we sure. were between something called the Zipper, which is a ride where each of the cars spin like this while they go around a track and the whole thing rotates yep. while they blare disco music. Like that. Perfect. And on the other side of our tent was another tent that had the Marshall Tucker Band. And so as we're trying to land soft and thoughtful punchlines... To topical sketch comedy over here and here. And in yeah. a moment of silence, when this wasn't happening, you could hear, can't you see <laughs> what that woman lord been doing to me? It's we eventually
0: had to pull the PZMs off the stage and talk into them. But but it's the it best. made me a man. It's the best. The worst yeah. memories are the best memories when it comes to comedy. There's nothing like it. Because audiences can't hurt you anymore. When you've been, when you've been humiliated, they can, they can.
1: The stakes are higher. They can hurt a lot more. Do you want to give away some more T-shirts? I, I do. All right. Okay. Let's, let's, let's do a couple more in here. All right, one more. All right. And now. Let's, let's go outside. Outside, come on. Let's do it outside. Anybody want a T-shirt? Oh, Whoa. I'm going to try to get one on top of this theater. Big paces, dude. All everybody. Thank you for listening to the Late Show Pod show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. if you want to see more of me, come to the Late show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. CBS Sunday after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something of tracker. You strong swimmer? So 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 so's okay. <laughs> Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions if you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Hey
0: everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate, though. Because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week, I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure, and Fail Better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts.